Welcome to my vagina. This is Jesse Karen. And this is Rebecca Frank. And here we are again, having our current historical, hysterical, and infuriating conversation about our lives as vagina-having organisms. All content made up on the spot, but probably researched. Just kidding, fools. It's definitely researched. Hey Rebecca, how's it how's it how's it going virtually? Oh, it's it's going all right. You know, been yeah. spending a little bit of time at home recently. How about you? <laughs> Doing the same, you know, all voluntary. <laughs> cool. Today we are super excited to bring an interview that we did before all the quarantining with Hallie Lieberman. Oh yeah, she's awesome. Actually, it's a cool story because I was checking out the New York Times one day and sh- and there was this op-ed there from Hallie Lieberman all about the history of sex toys and how the story about the vibrator that we talked about early on our hysteria episode, I think, and then Jesse mentioned that it was the information was wrong a little bit later. It was all debunking that. And we found out that she also wrote a book about the history of sex toys. So we emailed her and she agreed to talk to us. It's freaking fascinating. It's so fucking cool. And this book is amazing. Highly recommended. Very entertaining. It's called Buzz. And before that, uh, we're going to talk about some fun things that we've been doing to keep ourselves uh, sort of sane. Yeah. In isolation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Outside of me dancing with the cat that I'm watching because I have nothing better to do. I was quarantined for uh, almost two weeks and I started to forget that I was human. (laughs) But you're feeling better now. I feel great. Killing it. I can smell everything. (laughs) Yay. Jesse's back. I was actually – I was talking to Ashley the other day and I told her that every every morning when I can smell my own shit, I'm like thankful. (laughs) Right? Exactly. That was the first thing I smelled. I was like, yes, poop. Um, I'm also going to say this because I feel like the sound is going to be a little bad on mine. So I'm just going to say everyone bear with us because we're obviously all recording remotely. (laughs) It's a different scenario, but we want to keep bringing you guys stuff. So what have you been doing? The coolest thing I think that I've done is that on Friday night, my brother Aaron made a pub quiz. And so a bunch of us all called into a Zoom call and we did a trivia. That sounds so fun. It was really fun. And the winner got to choose a charity of their choice. And then my brother donated $50 to that charity. (gasps) Love. Yeah. Love that. Should do that on Sip Tip Survive. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Perfect segue. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, So I started this initiative called Sip Tip Survive because we're all missing our favorite bartenders right now and the feeling of just chatting about nothing or anything that isn't corona-related, or at least corona-related in a really sad, depressing way. So it's kind of a reprieve of that. So you know, we've been having bartenders come on and show you how to make pandemic pantry cocktails, like whatever you have, or we can play trivia with you. People have been calling in and playing their music. It's been a really fun way to virtually interact with people. If you all are interested, you could sign into Instagram live um, at Sip Tip Survive pretty much any day after four, and there will be somebody there. And if we have any bartenders as listeners, send Jesse a message. Yeah, please. The whole idea is to hopefully have out-of-work people making a little bit of money because we've all been sitting on that unemployment call for hours at a time, and it's even if we get it, it's not going to help as much as 
uh, having a job. So yeah, if if you're out of work, please contact DM at SipTipSurvive or get us on SipTipSurvive at gmail.com <laughs> and comment. If, if you are, and also if you have a job at home, please consider donating to all the industry people who have listened to you and bought you shots and cleaned up your vomit. Yeah. <laughs> and with that. <laughs> and with that, we're going to go talk about some vibrating things. <laughs> Operated boy made of plastic and elastic. He is rugged and long lasting. Who could ever, ever ask Yay. Thank you so much for coming, Hallie. Yeah. I'm so excited to be here. This book is fucking fantastic. It's really good. Oh, thank you. Can we start off with you telling us about yourself and how you got into sex toys? Yeah, of course. So my sex toy origin story is when I and I talk about in the book is when I was a little kid, 11 years old and vacationing with my parents in the Keys. Mm -hmm. And um, I like rifling through drawers to find stuff like to find. Yeah. Who Mm -hmm. does it? (laughs) I mean, uh, to look for, you know, the Bible. One hotel we were in, I found Martina Navratilova's um, autobiography instead of a Bible. And that's how we found out we were in a gay hotel. Yeah. And, and that, which I thought was awesome. That yeah. They replaced it. It's like, this is the equivalent of her autobiography. Um, but anyway, so I found this like thing in a zipper package and I thought it was a pencil sharpener because um, I was 11. And I was like, mom, mom, look what I found. I took it out of the package and waved in the air. And she said, Hallie, put that down. Like she thought it, I mean, she knew what it was because it was a vibrator. Right. Um, and, um, and, and I was like, why, why? It's so cool. And anyway, and so I didn't know what it was at the time. Then a few years later, I figured out, I don't know how, that this was a vibrator. I was like, oh my God, that had so much power. My mom's face when she thought how mad she was at me. Mm-hmm. I need to know more about these things. And so that was mm-hmm. my origin story. Yeah. Isn't that so crazy? That's so crazy to me because I remember finding my, oh my God, my mom's going to kill me. Uh, I remember <laughs> finding my mom's like box full of like sex toys. Box? Oh yeah. Oh my God. Box. That's that's awesome. Awesome. My mom didn't have a box. And that's toys. the thing is like, now I think back and I'm like, get yours, mom. Yeah. I'm like, cool. Yeah. But at the time I remember finding this stuff and me and my friends were like, what is this crazy stuff? And I remember her being so livid and so angry and so mad at me that she was like, you know, use the big D word, disappointed. Oh no. Oh. And I was like crushed, you know? But it's so interesting to me, like how I was I, not thinking that she was going to use that big D word. I said the big D, and I was like, "Whoa, your relationship was awesome." I know. I wish that's, that's why I made sure to say disappointed. After. Yeah, I was like, "Right, right, right." We're talking about dildos. <laughs> um, but it sucks that like she had to be because she she was probably just like so ashamed that I found it, which is so sad. Yeah, that she had to feel that way. I mean, how old were you? I'm curious. Ooh, I must have been like. 13, probably mm. 12, 13, 14. Ooh, good yeah. age to find a box of dildos. Yeah, I was yeah. very curious about it. I, I wasn't mom, after that, but <laughs> we did an episode like r- way early on. My oh, mom yeah. listened to the podcast where <laughs> oh, I was no. telling this story about how I went away for I don't know, like a, a year or something. I went up backpacking and I came back and I had a vibrator in my in like my end table drawer and I came back and it was gone. And I was convinced that my mom had thrown it out. So I was talking about it. I was like, I don't know, like if she, I don't know why she would. My mom's like one of those people where I have my, if I get any mail still delivered to their house, even if it's obviously junk, she will not open it without asking for my permission. My mom's like that too. Yeah, Jewish people. <laughs> so. <laughs> my mom's Christian, but yeah. <laughs> 
anyway, so I was like, it's so weird that she would throw it out, but she must have. I don't know who else could have done it. So I go on. So I tell this whole story and whatever we carry on. I get a phone call from my mom like the day after it released. And she goes, Rebecca, I don't know what to tell you, but I did not throw your vibrator away. So I still don't know who, who did it. Was oh it my, my dad? I got this image in my mind that is not good. But <laughs> what happened to it with your dad? Oh, I'm I know. Sorry. It's OK. He does there. not, not allow to, to listen to this episode. Oh, great. Yeah. So her, her mom tells the her mom tells him which ones he could listen oh, to. Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah. Hi, Mrs. Frank. <laughs> hi mom <laughs> oh my god my dad read this article about where i had like sent it to him and i talk about pegging my ex mm-hmm. and i'd forgotten yes. i talked about it in there but like he didn't care and we've never mentioned it yeah. like and then i was on some other podcast where i talked about pegging my current boyfriend i'm like god my parents yeah. and they listened to it they must think i'm obsessed with pegging <laughs> they'll probably hear this and be like and they'll have to google it again and then they'll like go into therapy to forget what it is they're, <laughs> they're gonna have it like as one of their favorite Favorite sites. They're oh, Googling God. pegging. It's <laughs> just a reference point oh, constantly God. open. Yeah, yeah. God. It's same with glory holes. I've had to explain that to my mom so many times. Oh my God. Honestly, oh, I, I love, love it. it. Your mom's curious. Oh, yeah. And then she'll be like, Hallie, like, we're eating dinner. Like, we have to talk about glory holes. Oh, you're the best dinner guest. <laughs> oh, maybe. Depending on who's at dinner. You're my best dinner guest. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, do you want to come home for Thanksgiving? That'll really shake things up at my house. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. (laughs) What do your parents think? Welcome to my vagina podcast. Do they tell people? Ooh, no. My mom does not. Oh, okay. My mom's kind of started to get on board, actually. She does, like, she knows that I do it. I don't think she listens or watches, but she knows that Ah. I do it. And, like, she was curious about, like, the etymology of pussy. So we did. She was like, where did that word come from? And she was like, you should do it on your podcast. And I was like, great. Yeah, I'll do it. Sure. So we did that for her. But I don't think she listened to it. Yeah. My mom, my mom listens, which is cool. My, my mom listens. My brother and my sister all listen. My dad tried listening and then sat me down for a heart to heart about like how he couldn't listen. Oh, and I was like, that's important. Yeah, I was like, you know what? I respect that. Yeah, I was like, you know what? That's okay. I wish he could, but yeah, I know he. You know, it's it's funny. Mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he was like, I just feel like I'm like. I don't want to know about this, you know, more specifically about like my personal stuff, which I yeah. don't talk about too much on the podcast anyways, but I think he's just nervous about it. Um, But he does, do. <laughs> he does, but he, <laughs> he does call me up sometimes and give me um marketing ideas. Aww. So that's, yeah. that's he, so he supports sweet. how he can. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he my, supports how he can. That is so sweet. My mom is just terrified. I'm going to say something bad about her, like that she was a Aww. bad mom. No. And I'm like, mom. You are the best mom ever. I was like a demon asshole child. So like, <laughs> that's like all I'll be talking about. And then she'll be like, you weren't an asshole. And I was like, yes, I was. But uh, yeah. that's what they're worried about. Even though they're like not sex, uh, like progressive people. Yeah. yeah. But like they've just become proud of me, which is weird. No, that's amazing. Oh, it's yeah. Awesome. yeah. Did they read the book? Yes, they oh, did. Oh, cool. But my next book, which is about gigolos. I was <laughs> I'm like, so excited. I was, well, I was telling. So <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner removed a, a big chunk of her book before sending it to some of the Kardashians because she like talked shit about them. Oh. And I was and then got caught. I was thinking of removing the part where I get a rub and tug massage from <laughs> my book that I send to my parents. Yeah, so they don't read it because I think that will oh. make them 
uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, but that's okay. I don't think they would be shocked. Yeah. It would take a lot to shock, shock. my parents. Yeah. Even if I transitioned, they'd be like, oh, okay. Like, like I feel like it'd be really hard for them to be shocked by me. Cool. Well, that's nice. I that's, guess. But that's some nice acceptance there. <laughs> well, that's because I've been saying penis since I was four years old around the house. Yes. Oh, my God. I wish that was my first word. Oh, my God. I, I... It wasn't my first. It was like my third. Because I, I told an interviewer, I was like, oh, I told a mom that I used to say penis at age seven all the time. She's like, seven? You were four. How did you get that right? <laughs> oh, my like, God. Oh, sorry. I didn't realize it was that young. She's like, you were precocious. Honestly, she would remember. If my if my oh, kids yeah. started saying penis at four years old, I'd remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mom used to take me to the grocery store. And when I was like super little, like probably four. Yeah. And I would be in the front of the cart and I would just point at people and say penis, vagina, penis, vagina, penis, vagina. And my mom was horrified. She was like, how can I take you places? You know, like you're just telling people. I was you're, just, you were a sex educator. Even I was, day. I was a sex educator. That is so cute. Yeah. If I saw a kid doing that, I mean, that could be like a viral YouTube video. I love it. <laughs> That's the only reason be. I want to have a kid. Yeah, right? So that you can get them, you can train them to say that. Yes. Yeah. At the grocery store. They'll never learn any other word. Right. Okay, cool. So tell us a little bit about this book because then I want to talk about your gigolo book. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, or tell us a little bit about the history, if you wouldn't mind. It was sure. so interesting. It was so <laughs> Wait, first, just real quick. The book is called Buzz, A Stimulating History of the Sex Toy, and it's fantastic. And Holly also had a really awesome op-ed in the New York Times a couple of weeks back that we linked on our Instagram, which is why we emailed her. And now she's here. All right. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah. So there's so much great sex toy history. Uh, one of my favorite they're all the people in the sex toy industry are characters. So sex toys go back like 30,000 years yeah. to these, uh, like, to the cavemen. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and of course people say, and there's these things that look like giant dicks from like 30,000 years ago. And people say they were spear sharpeners and stuff like that. Well, you, why do you need to sharpen your spear on a giant penis? Right. Yeah, you can sharpen it on anything. A rock. A rock. Yeah. yeah. Regular rock. It doesn't have to be in the uh, shape of a phallus. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. So they go back that long. We don't know how they were used. Um, but like one of the things throughout history is you see all these references to dildos and men's fear of them. And that's what the interesting thing um, mm-hmm. is there. Like men are afraid they'll be replaced by a dildo and it's male insecurity. Um, and vibrators. Even today, some men are afraid of that. But even reading this, it felt like they were they seemed more afraid of dildos than vibrators. Yeah. And they should be. It should be vibrators. That's what I thought. Yeah. I was yeah. Like, this seems counterintuitive Well, to because me. It, I feel like a dildo is in the shape of what they are. Exactly. Yeah. And so. Which is so dumb, obviously, because yeah. like you said, like vibrators give us way more pleasure than dildos tend to. And nobody's going to be replaced if you are like going after pleasure, the pleasure of your partner. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's a real insecurity. And I think one of the things so about like people being more afraid of dildos and vibrators, dildos have been around longer. So uh, so people couldn't start being afraid of vibrators until the 1800s. But uh, but yeah, in Masters and Johnson in the 1960s, when the research came out that women could have multiple orgasms with vibrators like Norman Mailer was like afraid of that. And all these people were like, <laughs> oh, my God, you know, uh. That's the end of the world. And I mean, in the 1970s, when so like in New York City, the first feminist sex toy store, Eve's Garden, um, that when that came out and only had three products, it had um, a Hitachi Magic Wand, Betty Dodson's Liberating Masturbation and another vibrator. But 
when this store came out and when uh, Betty Dodson started saying like the vibrator could be a symbol of empowerment for mm-hmm. women, they didn't need men for sexual pleasure. Then men started getting really scared. Yeah. And I mean, in part that's because you can't replicate like like no man's tongue works like a vibrator. Yeah. And I mean, they've they've sold. I don't know if you've seen the sex toys that you can wear on your tongue. No, um, no. that's like a vibrator. They're they're, they're like crappy and they don't work well <laughs> right, right but it's right. like this desperation <laughs> yeah you know? and i think my belief is like if humans evolved for female pleasure like i hope in the future that like men like evolved to develop something vibrating above their dick yeah <laughs> like so yeah that intercourse would really like yeah. give yeah. them an orgasm hit, hit all those vibrating cock rings yeah 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 mm-hmm. and yeah. vibrating cock rings don't really i mean there's some good stuff out there they don't work for me that well that's the thing that's so funny is like thinking about how like people how unimaginative men are mm-hmm. to think that like it's one or the other mm-hmm. and that they can't be like oh wait they're getting all this pleasure from this why don't we just incorporate this and then like it'll be better for everybody yeah, yeah you know exactly it's so crazy because i like all of the things right you know what i mean like i like sex toys alone i like masturbating i like ha- having regular sex with a partner and i like having sex with a partner and a toy so like i don't understand why it has to be one or the other yeah that's the thing yeah, yeah. That was what was so cool about like reading about Betsy, Betty Dodson and stuff like that. And also just like in general, I like the fact that she when we learn about like, you know, more recent feminist history and women and female empowerment and all this kind of stuff that she is essentially left out of it, which goes to show you how how we haven't gotten as far as we think we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is so important. Well, what's interesting about Betty Dodson, who like who was a masturbation pioneer. So she had the, um, I mean, I don't know if you, all your listeners will know about her. Oh yeah, tell them about okay, her. Okay, please. So, I was gushing over her. Oh, she's awesome. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, Betty Dodson is awesome. She's still in New York. So yeah. She's 90, I believe. Yep. Giving, she was just on the Goop show on um, Netflix mm-hmm. that has been so criticized. But the one thing that hasn't been criticized is, is Betty Dodson. Betty Dodson I was like, episode. but I was like, why is she going on Goop? She should come on our show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's <laughs> do exactly. it. Exactly. Um, you know, you should reach out to her. Yeah, her oh, email. Oh, we're gonna. Um, I can. <laughs> yeah, I can connect <gasps> you to her. She's she's a sweet. Well, not sweetheart isn't the right word. She's amazing. Yeah, she is badass. Um, uh. But like she like um talked like told Gwyneth Paltrow she was like uh uh-uh, uh. Don't call out a vagina. It's a vulva. Like on the yes. TV show, she was like, snap. Yeah. So she's, <laughs> yeah. she doesn't give a shit. She's amazing. Um, But no, so she was starting out um as an artist. Like that's what she was. She's from Kansas. And um, growing up, so she was growing up in the um, 40s. Mm-hmm. And during this time, like she uh, masturbated as kids do or, you know, adolescents do. And she thought like, oh, my God, you know, I'm going to get in so much trouble. This is so wrong. I shouldn't be doing this. And then she like got married. So she got married right before she turned 30. Um, and she admitted because she thought she had to. And she admitted to her partner. And this was in the 60s. Like, I masturbate. Yeah. And um, that didn't go down well. Um, so crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I mean, think about this. And she's still alive and doing these workshops. And so she ended up getting a divorce. So she, she was an artist doing all these beautiful paintings. Um, she started doing sexual paintings of vulvas mm-hmm. and people having sex after her divorce. Amazing. She did this series of virgin horror painting with women in both types, but she got involved in the feminist movement in the 1960s and as uh, the radical feminist movement. And she starts promotion, promoting sex positivity. And people are like, what the hell? Like we don't need to do this now. You know, we don't need to focus on orgasms. Now mm-hmm. we need to focus on liberation and, 
orgasms are a distraction and masturbation's a distraction. And so tools of the patriarchy, is mm-hmm. right? What they thought it was. Well, with with sex toys. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when she um so the big kind of debut of having so she started having these masturbation workshops where she would teach women how to have orgasms with the Hitachi magic wand, which um Hitachi company would didn't even admit was a sex toy at the time. And so she would teach women to do that and she was like this real pioneer. And when she brought it to the National Organization for Women Conference in 1973, uh, it was controversial that she was speaking there. Other radical feminists didn't like it. And she drew the picture for their conference, which is the uh, Leonardo da Vinci Vertuvian mm-hmm. man or how, whatever. Okay. And she drew it as a woman and with a clitoris. And the clitoris was a little large. And that caused a huge mm-hmm. controversy in National Organization of Women. They're like, that's a penis. And they're like, <laughs> uh, we can't have that on the cover. And so like it was the clitoral controversy. And then like, oh, why are we having someone speak about um, vibrators at this women's conference? That's not good. Speaking about sexual pleasure. So it, she introduced it. But in the way she positioned it, and this is why like Men were afraid in a way. The way she positioned it was like this. You don't need to rely on a man man for sexual pleasure anymore. Mm-hmm. You can use the vibrator. And that was very controversial. Um, men were like, oh, my God, we are going to be replaced by vibrators. And that wasn't what she was saying. She was just saying, like, most women can't have orgasms from intercourse. Mm-hmm. Right. And this gives you another option. And you need to learn how to pleasure yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like about learning, learning what works for you and then being able to communicate that with a partner. Yeah. yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, exactly. And, and then you like, can both have better sex together. Exactly. Yeah. It's, on the one hand, I have three different thoughts. Like on the one hand, I, I understood it given the time that yeah. people would be like, there's so much we have to take care of. Why is this the thing that we care mm. about? But then at the same time, I don't really understand how you decouple sex and liberation. Yeah. You know? And then also... I'm curious about the grounds for divorce. Like, I wonder what they said the grounds for divorce was when she got divorced because, like, she couldn't masturbate in this relationship, oh. <laughs> essentially. Yeah, yeah. Because women couldn't couldn't yeah. initiate divorces until, like, the mid-70s. Yeah, no right? fault divorce. And I don't know the answer I'm to so that. I'm curious. But yeah, know, that's a good question. And this is based on my other research that gigolos were used as grounds for divorce in the 1930s. Wait. Yeah. Wait, say what Say what now? How? How? <laughs> because, okay, so gigolos, which were paid male dancers. Yeah. But a lot of times women would fuck them. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, well, there were two things that were going on. One, m- men would hire, if they would um, want to get a divorce, they would hire a gigolo to seduce their wife. <gasps> and sometimes the gigolo would just be like, I mean, sometimes the wife would be like, yeah, I'll fuck you. And then they would get the divorce. Other times women were like during the day, like because they a lot, most women weren't working. Only right. 20% of women were working in the 30s. Mm-hmm. They would go out to dance halls in um, New York, pay a man. For a dance because they had these taxi dancers and a taxi dancer. That's what they called them because like, it was take like, it for take take this person for a ride. Exactly. Basically. Like, oh, that's so funny. Like cool. that God. where they call like a slutty person, like right. a taxi, whatever. It was taxi dancers. And um, one was Rudolph Valentino. This have you heard of him? He's like um, this fame. He was a famous film star um, mm-hmm. back in the uh, 20s and 30s. But anyway, so sometimes they would have sex with these people and they would catch the wives doing that. And that was also like grounds for divorce. My brain just exploded like four different times. Uh, yeah. I can't wait for this book to come out. I, I know. Um, I'm very excited about it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I think, and I was arguing this at my talk last night, that like we were more accepting of paid sex for women in the 30s <gasps> and in the 70s and yeah. 80s than we are now. Because you yeah. can't hire a dancer or someone to like go down on you easily in new york i mean it's still illegal 
Right. Um, but like gigolos were open. Like you could go to a dance hall and just hire one. And then like you can see pictures of dancing close together. Yeah. yeah. So it was kind and- of like a, one of those things that it was like kind of like people pretended it wasn't yeah. so that they didn't have to deal with it. Uh, sort yeah. of. And not everyone was fucking their gigolo at the time, um, but some people were because they there was like evidence and people were so worried. Like there were gossip columnists like your wife is going to leave you for a gigolo. Like watch <laughs> out. And then <laughs> it was like oh they're like God. they're suave, they're handsome. And they were. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so it's it just fascinating to me. Oh, my God. I was thinking about how it was how you got started out. Oh yeah, um, and how it was illegal to sell sex toys yes. in um, Texas. So that was like so really that, recently. Like, yeah, that was until 2008, and so I started selling sex toys in 2004, and um, for Passion Parties, one of the in-home sex toy uh, party companies. And um, a year after I started, someone from my company was arrested in <gasps> Texas, um, and she was she people like wrote oh she wore like short skirts in church and so her community and i know i know like this is texas drama and and, and like and like her husband's a swinger and so that's why she was targeted i mean they were swinger i don't know but anyway so she was arrested and then so my mom called me crying um and was like oh my god stop selling sex toys you're going to jail and like i imagined myself in jail and people like what are you there for like you know murder and i'm like i sold a dildo last night (laughs) and i was like so but i'm like mom i'm not gonna stop and if i get arrested it'll be something good to write about that's Um, god. but that was not you know my dad was like leave her alone and she'll find her own way um Who else did dad? Right? Um, but anyway. It's so crazy that like objects like that exactly. are fucking illegal. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. And, and like have strip clubs, uh, this may be a stupid question, yeah. but have strip clubs ever been illegal? Well, so strip Female clubs, strip, like women Oh, dancing. women dancing. So not illegal. So I was just talking about this. Not illegal as far as I know. But there are always these restrictions like you can't sit on someone's lap. Like you have to be like 80 feet away. So like Stormy Daniels, was arrested for obscenity um, like a year ago for violating one of these laws. And Chippendales in the 70s, so they started in 1979, like male districts for women, they were arrested for full frontal because when they first started out, the guys who started Chippendales didn't know how to costume them properly. And they're like, oh, just strip down to your jockstrap, whatever. And the jockstrap fell off. Like, <laughs> dicks were just hanging there. Right. And then like the police came and they got arrested and it got shut down three shows in. So that's, then they started wearing spandex pants. Right, right. <laughs> so, oh, which they ripped off. But, it's yeah. The thing that struck me so much about the beginning of your book and the part in Texas was selling the sex toys were, first of all, that like, you know, what your expectations were for who was going to be at these yeah, parties. Yeah. And it was like church going people. Yes. And just how like how fitting it was into classic gender roles yeah. of like, I, I'm not it's not, it wasn't about necessarily like female empowerment or masturbation or anything like that. It was like it. I don't know. It was like just reflective of like people weren't thinking outside of the box, even in that moment when they were doing something that seemed outside of the box. Mm-hmm. Well, like yeah, a Tupperware that, party. Tupperware party. That yeah. is what disturbed me the most. Well, first off, yeah, that everyone was religious. That's fine, but it was surprising to me. Right. But then the fact that, yeah, they weren't. So, like, our most popular selling toys, there was one that was a vibrator, and the other thing was a male masturbation sleeve. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, why is this our most popular uh, toy? At the time, I don't think men were not allowed at these things. So, it was all women at these um events why are they buying this and it was because they felt uh a guilty that they were buying something for themselves and we promoted it we promoted masturbation sleeves as a way to prevent your husband or partner from cheating 
<laughs> so instead of saying, hey, here's a vibrator, you can go masturbate, you can learn about your body, you can use it with him, you can do whatever. It was like, okay, here are sex toys. Like we either promoted them sex toys that would help your monogamous marriage and spice it up. It wasn't about masturbation that much. And then it was about like, here, your husband won't be threatened by this because it's smaller than his penis. Those were some lines like we had to, you know, give, like if you think your husband's going to be weirded out by it. And um, and so a lot of cock rings and then these masturbation sleeves. And then it was like, you know, he can just say, I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. And um, and the fact that we weren't allowed to use um, because you weren't we could possibly get arrested if we said vibrator. So we would say like. I know it was insane. So we were saying like massager instead of clitoris saying man in the boat, which as I wrote, why in the can't book, it be a woman in the boat? Women can be captains too. Why, yeah. Why is a clitoris gendered male? Yeah. yeah. Like, at least be non-binary clitoris. Yes. Come on. Like, let's do something. There is a captain in a boat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so like these charms and as I wrote in the book, like I couldn't do it without laughing. I couldn't. I mean, it was like so stupid. It's like, what are you kindergartners? Yeah. Like, why can't we um, say this? And I did, we did sell butt plugs and, I did convince someone, as I wrote as well, that <laughs> that men thought butt plugs were great and that she should bring one on our honeymoon. And I still and I still feel guilty. You like <laughs> wonder how that like, went. They probably got a divorce and they're like, this lady told me I could bring it on my honeymoon. Mike, and he's probably like, you think I'm gay. But it was like the men I date would never be offended by that. Yeah. But I'm always dating bisexual men. Like, right. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a bad child. They're like bad. game for it. Yeah. Ugh. But all men, straight or gay, should be into prostate pleasure. Absolutely. Like, PSA, well, yeah. PSA prostate screening actually isn't good. But anyway, yeah, we don't <laughs> totally. need that anymore. No, but it's but just yeah. like fear of homosexuality yeah. where it's like, why don't you want more pleasure? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It has nothing to do with being gay. If I had a prostate, I would have like a butt plug in 24-7. Yeah. I'd probably get nothing done. I'd have no books written. I'd just be like having, you know, pleasure. I'm actually really curious. So I um, I got my master's a few years ago and um, I was like, Going with the idea of going back for a PhD and a good friend of mine's getting her PhD at oh, UT yeah. Austin. And I was thinking and and in reading your book yeah. and like knowing what you did your dissertation in, I'm like, how did, like academia is like, I feel like such a not accepting in so many different ways that like when you decided you were gonna write your dissertation on the on the history of sex toys, yeah. right? How did did you just find an advisor who was into it or did like was it a real struggle to well, to do it? This is like bad. So I had an advisor. I said to my friend, I'm like, let me find, let's like look at these people and find out who's the laziest professor who will leave me alone. <laughs> so we went, I know this is that bad sounds, because no. I wanted to be left alone. So we found this guy. He won't be listening to this. Like he's too busy. He bought this 3D TV when it was trendy a while ago because someone at Best Buy, he's probably watching that. But yeah, so I found one and um, but even this guy who was like seemed very laid back. We just talked about he was obsessed with Nicolas Cage, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, Nicolas Cage is a character. He is. I like <laughs> even Cage. As, especially good on a 3D TV, I would imagine. Oh, my God. he Well, yeah. Like in that one movie where he's like in a motorcycle, like motorcycle. from Oh, Hell, Ghost Hunter. Ghost, Ghost Rider. Yeah. Ghost Rider. Ghost, Ghost Rider. Rider. Yeah. Rider. Ghost Rider. Um, but anyway, so I told him I was doing um, a dissertation on sex toys and he told me not to. Right. And so that's like one of those. And I said, well, I want to. And he said, well, you know, why don't you wait to do that until after you get tenure? And I was like, well, no one's getting tenure anymore. So that's probably never going to happen. Yeah. And I want to do it now. And if I can't get a job, Chili's Bar and Grill told me they would always take me back. <laughs> and <laughs> even though I dropped fajitas twice by mixed mist 
balancing the train. Wow. And they still, I mean, you must have been, a, you must have been I, a wonderful employee. Well, I wasn't though. <laughs> the weird thing was the first time that happened where I misbalanced the train, the sizzling fajitas like sprayed everywhere. And I mean, they didn't hit anyone. They were like, Thank well, God. you'll never do that again. And then like two weeks later, I, did. <laughs> and I was like, God, I'm so bad at it. You're like, but, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, and I, so basically you might, if you want to get a peachy, you might be told no. But right. You just have to have someone who like I people say that you choose advisors like your parents. And I chose one like my dad, who's very laid back and I can boss around. I chose an advisor like that. Right. <laughs> so, right, right, right. Um, so that's kind of how Smart. to do it. Yeah. And it depends. I mean, if you want to go on for a Ph.D., it, you know, you can find people who will do whatever, whatever, if you want it sex related or. Yeah. Whatever. And just don't take no for an answer. Yeah, just don't take no. I mean, that's sort <laughs> Be of- Be like Betty Dodson. Yeah. Yeah. That's sort of been my message because I was being asked last night um, about like publishing, turning my book in, my dissertation into a book. And I was told published with an academic publisher. They were like giving me all this advice. And I smiled and thought, no way in hell am I going to do that? <laughs> yeah. Not, Thank you for all this advice. And then I just did my own thing. And that seems like throughout my life, like I've just kind of followed my own advice. Yeah. And it's worked. It has worked. I mean, I guess it doesn't always. Right. Uh, I mean, I listen to other people's advice, but yeah, if it's but you take it and you leave it based on yeah, what yeah, you have yeah, to play yeah. out. And I think that's the way everyone should be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, the the fact about sex toys still being illegal, like they're so legal in um Alabama, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so we still have this. It's like this fear of female sexuality, and um, and you know, it's crazy that there's there's some of that to this day i mean i think we've become a little bit more liberated about them but Mm -hmm. uh but there's still that fear like throughout history um and i mean also like you know gay men were sex toy pioneers as well i Mm -hmm. talked about this guy um dwayne cole glazier yeah the pleasure chest i had no idea yeah i mean yes which is in new york which started as a waterbed store that's that was the craziest thing in my mind yeah yeah it was so, and the store was so tiny that they couldn't even fit a waterbed in there. Um, and so then they're like, well, we need accessories you would have in a bedroom. And this was in uh, 71. Oh, and so so they had these waterbeds and then they would have a catalog because they couldn't fit them in the store. And um, and that was like, people were like, what the hell is this? So they had these <laughs> uh, things on the wall. They started having like bedroom accessories and then they started having sex toys. And um. And what was revolutionary about them was there were no boutique sex toy stores in the U.S. at all. Mm-hmm. And so they're all sex toy stores at the time had blacked out windows and basically were porn stores that had a couple crappy vibrators and dildos in back. And, that, and were like super not inviting to women. Yeah. Not inviting to women. In fact, to the point where they did research like for um, obscenity uh for this governmental obscenity commission and they found like three percent of people in these stores were women like a woman i mean i read letters of women saying like i went in there the clerk hit on me which still happens to this day of course but at the time he was so uninvited there were guys with a heart on yeah you know it was gross and it was in because of zoning laws they were in a really creepy areas of town yeah they were always up by like port authority and stuff like yeah yeah and so it's like you don't want to go there as a woman alone they're are restrictions on where you can go safely opposed to men. So already mm-hmm. you're in this space of like of town where you don't want to be alone. And then you add to that, like you're in a store, men with hard ons, all that. Yeah. Really, really bad situation. And then the, the products really um sucked because uh they could get away with it. Mm-hmm. So they had like um like low quality rubber sex toys that had horrible odors. Some of the mm-hmm. people told me. And people, because they were 
still illegal in a lot of places or marginally legal. No one would complain if they right. bought a sex toy. It was dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And people were bad. probably embarrassed. They were embarrassed. And so they got away with selling this crap. And so for Dwayne Cole Glazier and Bill Rifkin, the founders of the Pleasure Chest, to have this store where openly displayed sex toys, that was huge. And initially it was targeted to gay men. And their early catalog, it's beautiful. Do you know Tom of Finland? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Um, he, it's this um, artist who draws these beautiful, muscular gay men in S&M poses. That's what their catalog looked like. Oh, I wow. saw the picture in yeah, the middle yeah, of your well, book. That's, right. that's so cool. picture in the book. And, and they all had backstories. It would be like, <laughs> Steve is a plumber <laughs> and he'll plumb your holes with this dildo, which is like $40. Tom, the construction worker, will <laughs> drill you hard. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was awesome. I loved it. It was a work of art. And, um, but then they realized a bunch of women were coming in there too. And so they started appealing to women as well as these two gay men. And, um, and it was it was this quietly revolutionary thing. But and it was during the AIDS era, like it continued on through the AIDS era. And um, then at that time, what was like heartbreaking to me was people were like going into the store and saying, oh, I think I saw someone with AIDS in the store. There was like a New York Times article. <gasps> When it mentioned that and and then sex toys were seen as like a vector of AIDS. And then and um Dwayne Colglazier, who started out um as an ice cream driver, um, ice cream truck driver in LA before starting the pleasure chest, which I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how he learned sales. And his niece his nephew still runs Pleasure Chest. The Pleasure Chest moved from New York to LA and then Philly, and it became this huge thing. He came down, he got HIV. Um, he was a seventh day at Venice which is interesting too, because that religion hates masturbation. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an irony there. But when he got HIV, her, his parents didn't even know he was gay. He debated like telling them, he had to tell them he was gay and had HIV. And, oh my and God. that was a huge thing. Like in the eighties to do that, a lot of parents, when they got that phone call, mm-hmm. never talked to their children again. Oh. They wouldn't, yeah. I mean, it's heartbreaking. They wouldn't go to funerals when their kids died. All this, his parents reacted well, mm. but still yeah. like, well, given the time, yeah, still well he enough. passed away at 44. And in his obit, it mentioned like nothing about the pleasure chest. It said, uh, just said like, oh, he was like a retailer. Um, and so sanitizing it exactly, just sanitizing his history. And he was like, so he was a revolution that's revolutionary, yeah. yeah. And so, um, so yeah, he was he was really cool. So, New York has some great sex toy history, yeah. Um, I would yeah. love for you to tell us a little bit more about Gosnell Duncan. Oh, my oh, God. God. Yeah. Yes. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So Gosnell Duncan, like, yeah, whenever I'm in New York, I think about him. So he invented the silicone dildo. Mm-hmm. So his story is crazy as well. He came from Grenada um, to the U.S. and he was going to study engineering. And he was working at this Caterpillar plant um, in Chicago or outside of Chicago. And he was working there and a truck bed fell on him. And he became paralyzed and became impotent. And he was only 37 years old. And um, this at this time, it was like the 60s. And um, he was like, what am I going to do? I'm engaged to this woman. Now I can't get a heart on. Uh, uh, like my life is over. And plus, he was such a ladies man before this happened. He had five kids from five different um like baby mamas mm-hmm. um in Grenada uh he loved dancing as you know gigolos he wasn't a gigolo but it was the same kind of thing <laughs> he uh-huh. could have been he could have been he was super good looking suave suave guy and he um 
so he like went to these he became like a disability like went to disability conferences and was like what can i do for this no one was really talking about sex there was nothing going on and so, doctors didn't even address and yeah. i feel like that's still the case though yeah yes, i know it it's i i yeah it's really really bad it's such an important thing yeah. um uh, I talked to my mom, my grandfather on my mom's side was actually had MS and was in a wheelchair and they didn't, you know, she told me they didn't talk to him about sex. Like it yeah. wasn't brought up and it was a huge, it's yeah. so insane to me. Like why people think that as soon as you are disabled, that you don't have the same needs and yeah. pleasures as able-bodied humans. That's yeah. mind blowing to me. It is. And you know, and that's why I think sex work should be legal in our country. Cause in mm -hmm. Australia, they have, um, programs for disabled people to hire sex workers. Yeah. Yeah. And we should have that here. Um, so anyway, we had none of that here. And sex toys were like uh, illegal in most places. And so Gosnell, um, but they could be legal Therapy. if you were used. Yeah. Therapeutic or if you were using them, if you couldn't get yeah, an erection and stuff. So he looked into the sex toy business and thought, um, OK, like, is there stuff for disabled people? There wasn't. And so he just started decided to start a company. Um, he was at this like uh, event and he asked uh, other disabled people, do you would you buy something like this? They said yes. And he since he was an engineer and he had worked uh, with cars and he knew a lot about materials, he's like, these materials suck. Mm -hmm. Well, this little material I used um, at uh, this new material, it was new at the time, silicon rubber, mm -hmm. that might be good for a sex toy. And so he worked with General Electric engineers to develop a special silicone. And he started making them from his basement in Brooklyn, and he uh, tried to sell them to the disabled community. Not that many people ended up buying them. He tried to sell them to, as he called them, the transsexual community at mm -hmm. the time as well. Mm -hmm. He had trouble breaking in, and how he broke in was he uh, called Del Williams of Eve's Garden and said, hey, I got a bunch of dildos to sell you. Um, and she's like, uh, no, A, you're a man. And men weren't allowed in the store. This was in the late 70s at the time until a lawsuit. Okay. Um, same with Chippendales. Men weren't allowed in there until a lawsuit. <laughs> um, and uh, so, and we don't sell dildos because they're symbols of the patriarchy. Right. And dildos were very controversial in the feminist movement because mm -hmm. it's like if you're fighting against the patriarchy and like banging yourself with a dildo. A yeah. yeah, exactly. And so um, she let him come into the store and uh, and she's like, oh, my God, all these have veins. They look exactly like dicks because they were like modeled on his dick. She's like, I don't want this shit. Yeah. You know, and I mean, <laughs> those weren't exactly so words. veiny. Yeah. veiny. <laughs> and she wanted something that wasn't realistic. And she said, look, I may sell Dillo in the store if you make it like abstract. And she did surveys oh. with um, people, uh, customers, and they wanted something abstract and fluid shapes, not like balls and. Like men think women want replicas of their dick. Mm -hmm. Right. They don't. Right. <laughs> like newsflash, we don't. I mean, we like dick, but this sex toys, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's and, not about you. No, exactly. And and the other revolutionary thing, there were a couple of things, but one was non-realistic colors. Mm -hmm. So pinks, blues, purples that women thought were pretty. The other thing that Gosnell did was he was um dark skinned and he made dildos in a bunch of different he at the time, their only like black dildo was pitch black Super didn't fetishized yeah probably fetishized it didn't look like black skin at all so he made all these different shades of black and brown so he was revolutionary in a number of ways and yeah. so they worked together and he he created the silicone dildo and it was such an improvement of the previous one because it was non-porous and it could be sanitized mm -hmm. and so especially when hiv aids era came along mm -hmm. it was like the dildo you wanted and it was um the only dildo you could really 
perfectly clean and mm. that um was a you know better yeah. material i thought it was really cool even to like because you included some like bits of letters and stuff mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. with the people who who like wrote to him and it was like writing to an advice columnist you know <laughs> it was like my life was was this kind of way like you really helped me or like these are my problems and people that really opened up to him because there wasn't any sort of like centralized place for people to go for support yeah you that know? was what was heartbreaking and wonderful and um this for gosnell as well as del williams was there was no dan savage back then there was no place you would call in and sorry i just burped um and <laughs> and, and to get advice and so they were i mean talk about the level of desperation like he started an advice service um because of this but they were writing to gosnell um through that, like he would have ads in disability magazine saying I'm sell- selling dildos and I have this advice stuff. And they didn't know who to turn to because their doctors weren't saying, right. I mean, like going back to that, their doctors weren't saying this. So here's another disabled person. And they would be like, hey, I don't have any legs and my partner doesn't have any arms. How can we do this? Mm-hmm. And he wasn't an expert in that, but he gave them someone to talk to and bounce ideas off. And it was so yeah. meaningful. And this- cared enough to think about like how they could work it out together. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this is before ADA and what um, Americans with Disability Act. And some of these letters were heartbreaking. is like, I'm on a college campus and I can't get my wheelchair. And um, what led me while I was researching this was to talk to my mom. I was like, oh, was my grandfather, you know, how did he get around? Because he was a professor on college campus. She's like, oh, well, I remember as kids, it was so fun. We carried his wheelchair up the stairs. And I was like, wait, there was no way. Like There's it no didn't. Ramp. Yeah, there were no ramps. And so it was, and they tried to drop him from health insurance because he had an MS. So we have come a long <laughs> mm-hmm. way. But my favorite thing in the letters um, was that they had, uh, he would ask people for the circumference of their penis mm-hmm. so he could make um, a dildo to match it. And so there Yeah. And so there were these architectural drawings of dildos or butt plugs that people wanted and then these little pieces of string in the circumference of the penis, which was just, it was amazing. And I like touched them and I'm like, oh, I'm touching someone's, you know, might have like some trace, like j- penis germs from like <laughs> 1973. Someone's dick string. Yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I just had one super quick just observation, which was that I had no idea how many Jewish people were involved. In the oh my sex god! Trade yeah, really. I yes. was like, they're all Jews. <laughs> yeah, yes. with the marches and the malorises. Hell yeah. yeah. Yes, so many Jews in the sex industry, and in part that was because it was like at certain times it was hard for Jews yeah, to get other jobs. Right, of course. But then there's also this idea that Jews are more into sex. Like when I don't right. think I wrote about this in the book, but when I was selling sex toys in Texas, someone said <laughs> came up to me and said like. Oh wow, you're the first Jew I've ever met, and looked at me with like wide eyes. Someone just said that to me in Louisiana, like not that, like two years ago. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, man, I'm in a bubble. I know. New We're York everywhere. It's like yeah. yeah. Like, Jews are. I'm everywhere. surrounded by Jewish people. Oh, yeah, and are. I love it. So lucky. <laughs> Um, I am lucky. <laughs> but, but yeah, there were a lot of Jews in the sex industry and in the porn industry yeah. as well. And um, in Chippendales. So uh, there's, <laughs> really? there's a whole. Yeah. Well, there's only one Jewish dancer. 
Um, but there were like the co-founder was Jewish and there are other people. Yes. Amazing. And a Jewish oh, pimp. Like he called himself the Jewish pimp and he wore a Star of David. Fantastic. <laughs> he came up with an idea. Fucking <laughs> But then he murdered his girlfriend. So oh. like, it takes oh. it, who is a Playboy playmate? It takes like a turn for the worst. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to like take that like <laughs> and we can't all that. be perfect. Yeah, and on that note, uh, end of the podcast. <laughs> I always like to end our podcast episodes in murder. Yeah. <laughs> we can switch. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so freaking much. This was awesome. I'm when's your book about male jiggle is coming out? I think next it should be next year. Possibly the end of this year, but probably next year. Okay, cool. Wait. But but an article about the Chippendales um is coming out uh in a couple months. Oh, oh awesome. and I have a gigolo article on BuzzFeed right now. Ooh. Feminist gigolos. Perfect. We'll have we'll to link find that. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll link that. And and we'll, we'll link and to your book. My so book people buy yeah. it. Yes. yes. It's fucking so fantastic. Seriously, buy the book. It's so good. It's really I good. learned so Thank much. You. I took so many notes like in the book. Yeah. I was, like, I didn't yeah. want to ruin it because it's also really pretty. Yeah. Aww, thanks. I like it actually I mean, wrote I notes on the side. It. it still looks really nice. I love it. Um, can, where can people find you or follow you if that's what you want? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's my name, Hallie Lieberman, on Twitter uh, and Instagram. And so that's uh, those are my main things. Awesome. Cool. So yeah, buy Buzz. That would be amazing. Um, you know, buy sex toys too. Mm -hmm. That's Always also. Uh, I recommend Hitachi Magic Wand. I'm old school, but I recommend mm -hmm. the... Um, Can no longer get it at Macy's, though. Yeah. No longer <laughs> get it at Macy's. That's a real uh, shame. Um, yeah, but... But get the wireless one. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Why I'm not doing wires. Yeah. I would yeah. But no one needs wires. I don't care how not... big it is, but it can't have a wire. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing's huge. It's bigger than this microphone, but still. <laughs> I just feel like that's like a recipe for disaster because I'd pull it out of the wall at like the... Oh my like God. the worst moment. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. Have you heard of the new sensation? A doctor's instrument that sends out vibration. We have the tools. All right, cool. We're going to finish up this episode with a weird dream that Rebecca had. <laughs> so in the pandemic, I've been remembering a lot of my dreams. I remember my dreams fairly frequently anyways, but it's been a lot more. And in fact, this morning I, I did a little dozing after I woke up. So last night I had this dream that I was having lunch with Mitch McConnell and mm. I didn't actually end up having lunch with Mitch McConnell because the entire dream was me trying to figure out what the best outfit was for me to communicate to Mitch McConnell how much I fucking hate him. <laughs> and so I just kept switching outfits I was in overalls, but they were all clothes that I own. And yeah. like, I don't have any good clothes to have lunch with Mitch McConnell. I mean, nobody. Who who has that perfect outfit that says, I fucking hate you? I know. Who really That's has That's a really that? good point. That's a good point. <laughs> really, you should just have a t-shirt that's made that says, I fucking hate you, Mitch McConnell. Yeah, that's true. That would have been the ultimate. That actually might sell. Yeah. New idea. New idea. <laughs> The other thing, I was texting with my friend the other day, and we were talking about, like, the people that we don't like and what we want to curse them with. And one of the things that we came up with is, like, having a forever itchy butthole. Uh, I, I have an almost forever itchy butthole. It's really annoying. It's very frustrating. So, like, imagine if we could, like, give Jared Kushner an itchy butthole for life all the time. Yeah, I would wish that on him. I'd wish, yeah. I'd wish that on most of the current administration <laughs> yeah, an itchy butthole yeah an itchy butthole take it take it <laughs> bitches put that in your butt and itch it
Thanks for listening to Welcome to My Vagina. It's time for us to slide on out of here. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at Welcome to My Vagina. On Twitter at Welcome to My Vag. Soon to be on Medium. You can donate to us at Patreon, LiberaPay, PayPal, and uh, Venmo at Welcome to My Vagina. Yeah, become a monthly subscriber. Yeah, yeah, go to welcomedbyvagina.com and become a subscriber to our newsletter as mm-hmm. well. You can email us at welcometomyvagina at gmail.com. We like questions and fan art and jingles. And suggestions for future episodes. True. Check out Jesse's awesome videos at on YouTube. Just search for Welcome to My Vagina. Check out Rebecca's awesome writing at franklyrebecca.com. And head on over to morebanana.com to check out all of the awesome projects by our production company. Yeah. And thanks, Kate. Thanks, Kate, for being our amazing, dope-ass fucking producer. (laughs) Cool.